0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. If it's your first time with us here at ABC Church, we give you a very, very warm welcome. It's great to see you. And if you're tuning in to listen online, thanks for taking the time uh, to be with us. Have you noticed... How people like to be in the know. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed how people always like to be up with the latest information? To be up with all the latest gadgets? To be up with all the latest fashion? Or to be up with all the latest news? And some of you even like the latest goss to know what's going on. Some of you use phrases when I meet you of, you'll never guess who I met this week or more often than not it goes like you'll never guess who I met and then I have to go with my mother through you know 14 different combinations of who it was or the one that I hate the most how many of you get this one you'll never guess who's having a baby and then you have to go through this relentless well I know it's not me I know it's you know all of this be in the know some people like to be in the know Some people have the know-how. They have particular skills and particular talents that they have. I have a particular set of skills, said the man in the famous film that we all know. But uh, it's one of my gripes with our education system that people have knowledge but no skill. They don't learn how to do things or have things. If you're a young person here in church this morning, can I tell you the importance of having a skill, something that you can do. It's great to know the Battle of Hastings, isn't it? When was it? It's amazing, isn't it? All of you know the Battle of Hastings. I know the Battle of Hastings. It's great. But I never went to a driving lesson test that asked me, when's the Battle of Hastings? I never went to a job interview that asked me, when's the Battle of Hastings? And all the stuff that we learn in life, some of it is just knowledge. But what I want to ask you is, what do you know? Do you have a skill? Some people know how. Some people Nowhere. If you want to go anywhere in West Wales, go and see Mark Watkins. I'm pretty sure he's walked or knows every square inch of West Wales of where you could go to walk and to be on the beach or anything else like that. If you want to know where to buy something, ask my brother Mike. He has bargains coming everywhere. So most of the time, if you want to buy a car, go to where he buys cars. If you want to go to where he gets building materials... Just follow Mike, because Mike always knows where to buy something more competitively than I. Some people just ask questions all the time. Some people know where, some people know why, some people know where, some people know how. And children in particular always like to know why, don't they? Don't they ask you the why questions? I remember when the kids were small with us, I've got three teenagers now. I said, I've got three teenagers now. Pray for me. I'm losing my hair fast. It's going grey. But I remember when the kids were small, he used to ask all kinds of why questions all the time. Have you had that, those of you that have had kids? Why? Why this? I remember Caris one day, you know, getting curious about the birds and the bees. Daddy, where did I come from? Tough question to answer, so I answered it wisely. I said, you, Caris." came from inside mummy's tummy. And off she went, Dumpty up. She was happy with the question until a couple of days later, she came back and said, Daddy, how did I get inside mummy's tummy? Well, that was easy to answer as well. And I said to her, Ah, well, that's easy, Caris. Daddy put a seed inside mummy's tummy. And the seed grew. It became you. And that's how you were born. And she said, oh, that's, that's really good. And off she went. Until she came back to me a couple of days later and said, Daddy, how did the seed get inside mummy's tummy? To which I answered very wisely and said, oh, there's mummy now. Go and ask her. <laughs> Some people have all the wise answered. Some people know this, that, and the other. And there are loads of people in this church that know how. There are secretaries. There are techies. There are sparkies. There are chippies. There are brickies. There are nurses. There are teachers. And there are pasties. (laughs) But my message to you this morning is simply called known. Known. I don't want to ask what you know i don't want ask why you know i don't want ask how you know i want to ask one question and that one when question i want to ask you is do you know the part partici- the past participle of know is known And God spoke to us through the interpretation of tongues last uh, Sunday where uh, two people in our church were obedient to the work of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know more about that subject, can I tell you, go and read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 so you can understand the outworking of the gifts of the Spirit in that way. But God encouraged us through the interpretation of tongues last Sunday, encouraged us that our worship be to him, not about him. And the thought has captured my heart this week as I've been waiting on God and so I decided to change the message and go back to some notes I had uh, and found on this and so the message I want to come and speak to you this morning is simply entitled known. You see the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12 that worship and that's what God asked us last week. He says our worship needs to be to him not about him. And Romans 12 teaches us that worship is giving all that we have to him. He says in verse 1, does Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he says that you present your bodies, that's all of you, body, mind, spirit, the physical, every part of us, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Colossians 3 verse 17 says this, it goes on further to say, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And he goes on to say in verse 23, And whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. My father had a film made about my father, um, made about him and his life as a farmer in a documentary. And he starts the documentary that was entitled by um, the BBC that had done this documentary on, on my father. And it was called You've Got to Get a Glory. And the reason it was called You've Got to Get a Glory is because as one of the interviews during the, mes- uh, during the uh, programme, Dad had shared a story that encapsulates this that encapsulate these verses. And the poem that I, most of us as children have put to memory, the same as Dad's was this simple poem that went, you've got to get a glory in the work you do. A hallelujah chorus in the heart of you. Sing or tell a story. Paint or shovel coal. You've got to get a glory or your job lacks soul. And whatever we do, particularly as believers of those people that follow after God, we do everything to the glory of God. When Chris there is, as is in his job as an anesthetist, is looking after someone there, he's doing that process of caring for somebody while they're under the surgeon's knife. He is caring for that person for the glory of God. And those of you that teach, teach for the glory of God. And those of you that fix things, fix things the glory of God. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, do everything as to the Lord and not to men. But I want to challenge you as God challenged you. I want to challenge you and ask you the question in the same way that we are maybe doing things for him, but maybe not to him. That the things that we do and the way that we live is about him, and yet we're so close to God, so close to Jesus, that we don't know him. I've very rarely had the opportunity to speak on a person in the Bible called Philip and it's my privilege today to speak on the person of Philip that is in the Bible. I was named after him and he's spelled P-H-Y-L-I-P in the Welsh Bible and that's why my father named me Philip. Can you turn to me to John chapter 14 verse 9 and the simple sentence that that, uh, Jesus speaks to Philip and says this. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? That's what I'm going to challenge you with a question in the same way this morning. In fact, I would ask you maybe to put your name in there maybe this morning, just as a means of answering the question for ourselves from our hearts this morning. Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet, you still don't know who I am. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to read God's word that countless servants of the Lord have translated this from other languages to be what it is to us today. We can read the history of Of man and God. We can read the history of the son of God that came to earth. And we can read all the stories of how you walk with man. And how you strive with him. And how we fail you in so many different ways. But your heart is for us. Your purpose is for us. Will you help us today to be more known by you? We ask in Jesus name. And that secondly we would know more of you. So I pray as we turn to your word this morning that you would open up our minds and our hearts and our very souls to hear your word we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, some people just want to be famous. Some people just want to be famous. How many of you have met kids that are like that in school? They have their life subjective of just wanting to be famous. Other people want to be popular. Being known is something completely different. A famous person who is a person who is well known for achieving something, for a good, worthy thing that they've done. They could be a filmmaker, they could be an inventor, they could be a footballer. All of these kind of different skills and talents could make somebody famous. And in fact, I I don't know if you saw it on Celebrity Mastermind, but there were two people... Um, on Mastermind back a couple of months ago and one of them was, uh, who's the founder of Take That, the one that does all the, uh, Gary Barlow, that's right. Um, Gary Barlow was on it and there was somebody else on it that was Gary Barlow's biggest fan. And Gary Barlow was having to ask questions, and answer questions on Take That and so was the fan having to ask questions about Take That. And guess who won? The fan. But I thought it was very interesting what Gary Barlow said after. And what he said in the interview, he says, yeah, okay, he said, I, I was going to kind of get it wrong. He says, because I've been too busy making the history for my fans to write about. He had not time to study himself or to gaze into his own navel and think how marvelous he is. He was busy writing stuff that would make a difference to him, his life, and everybody else in the uh, in the mission or the life that he feels that he's been called to live. Some people just want to be famous. I pray for our current Prime Minister that she just doesn't pray to be famous. Do you? That she does something relevant. Some people want to be just popular. And that's the most dangerous of all to be, isn't it? To be liked by everybody. And sometimes in tr- the efforts of trying to be liked by everybody, we are Ended up, we end up being liked by no one sometimes because we're trying to be all things to all men that we might please some. I sincerely hope that our Theresa May doesn't want to be popular, do you? But I hope she's known. I hope she's known for her wisdom. I hope she gets known for a strategy. I really hope for the sake of our nation, Brexit or no Brexit, whatever the future holds, I just pray that God will give her wisdom and guidance so our nation can flourish and prosper. Do you? Because just across in the Atlantic, they have elected Donald J. Trump to be the president over there. He's famous. He's not very popular by some people. But who knows what the future holds if a nation decides to pull themselves together and if he decides to come down maybe off some of those high horses that he's on and begin to lead the nation as it needs. Maybe, just maybe, he could be known as one of the best American presidents ever. But in the words of four Scandinavian uh, uh, Swedish hymn writers that I like, do you know the band ABBA? They wrote a song which was called Knowing Me. Knowing You. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why does everybody always say that? <laughs> knowing Me, Knowing You. But it's interesting. I don't know if you've sung the lyrics. I have, usually in the shower or in the car on my own, because I do like a bit of ABBA, I've got to be honest. Walking through the empty house goes the lyrics, isn't it? Tears in my eyes. Here is where the story ends. This is goodbye, and the reason it 's knowing me knowing you is about two people that have come to know each other they 've had kids if you read' the, uh, sing this the the song in verse two, um, but they 've come to part company because clearly they can no longer go any further knowing me knowing you and the question I want to ask is, have you taken the time to really know who Jesus is because in the words of One other person that's famous in American American politics, Donald Rumsfeld. There are known knowns. There are unknown knowns. And there are known unknowns. I've never really known what that meant until I watched a documentary called Unknown Knowns. And unknown knowns is the most dangerous known at all. But have a look at this clip from the film Unknown Knowns, and then we look at the subject of known. You want me to read this?
1: Yes, please. February 4th, 2004. Subject, what you know. There are no knowns. There are known unknowns, there are unknown unknowns, but there are also unknown knowns. That is to say, things that you think you know, that it turns out you did not.
0: Watch the movie if you want to, it's really interesting. But Donald Rumsfeld uh, writes this memo and it's about the Iraq war and it's about the work of Saddam Hussein and weapons of mass destruction and the whole debacle that, that was around that. But he says that the most dangerous kind of known is the unknown knowns. Things you think you know, but you don't. Can I ask you, Do you know Jesus? Or are you like Philip? You think you know, but you don't. I want to look at three areas of our lives that help us to come to know Jesus more specifically. Because to get to know someone, how do you get to know someone? Come on, give me some ideas, anyone? How would you get to know someone? If some of you wanted to get to know me better, how do you think you could go about doing that? Spending time. Anything else? Conversation. Anything else? Marry me? Marry me. <laughs> yes. Get it on me really well then, wouldn't you? Yes. Observe them? Observe them. Yeah. Facebook? Facebook. <laughs> Ish. Ask my mother? Yeah. It's great you can come on holiday with me if you want to get to know somebody go and stay with them go on holiday with them isn't it you get to discover all their foibles so can i ask you what has been your strategy to get to know jesus do you know him do you really know him or is he an unknown known to you the most dangerous known of all is that we think we know him but we don't Jesus speaks the words in the Gospel of Matthew. He talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats. And he turns around and he says, depart from me, he says. I never knew you. And they would respond and say, Lord, didn't we, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Depart from me, I never knew you. That we could be so close to Jesus and yet not know him. I'm going to give you three things um, that I want to challenge you on this morning, and I've challenged myself on this this week in visiting this subject prayerfully. And I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? And I want to ask you, particularly those of you that have been saved for many years, we can be doing now what we quite often do. Or isn't it nice that pastor is speaking a message to those that are young in the faith? Isn't it nice that pastor is preaching a message to somebody else that needs to hear this? We all need to hear this message today. It's for me. It's for you. It's for all of us. Do you know me? John 14 verse 9. Jesus' words to Philip. Have I been with you all this time? And yet you still don't know who I am. Are we so busy doing what we do? that we don't know Jesus. I want to ask you, where are you in your prayer life at the moment? How is your prayer life like? How much time do you spend praying? If you want to get to know God, the crucial way for us to do that is to come aside from the busyness of life and just to rest in him and to say, Lord, I come to you today just as I am, and just have a conversation with God. I love it when Eric at the church here praises. He just has a chat with God as if he's just his, well, he is his best friend. But he turns up and he says, well, Lord, here I am today, you and me, having a conversation. That's how Eric prays. It's wonderful because he comes to God and talks to him just as he is. Can I ask you, what is your reading of God's word? like do you read god's word regularly and get it into you because that's the only way we will become known to him and he will become known to us can i can ask you thirdly what are you like in making time to be with the people of god in both small group and in large group like this when we come together are you a regular at church are you a regular at plus group There are some people like Pat and John this morning that are not in church because they're unwell. We know there must be something wrong if Pat and John are not in church, don't we? Because they are in church and make the commitment to be known by God, known by you, and come to church every Sunday. But there are some people at church that we miss them and we don't notice they're missing because they come ad hoc. They come when they can fit it in. Now, I appreciate that lots of you have busy jobs and careers, and some of you are working shifts and have to be at work on a Sunday. But we need to sometimes just look at our priorities in our lives in the three areas that get us to know God specifically, to get us to know Jesus specifically, and that's our prayer and our God's word and our fellowship. So in closing, and I'm going to be sharing the platform in a moment with Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Church that is going to cover a segment of my message better than I. And so we'll be finishing the message message shortly with a a 10-minute clip that we're going to watch from Bill Hybels. Because when I ask people this question, what's your prayer life like? What's your devotional time like? The most popular answer I get is, I haven't got much time and I know it's difficult and I know it's challenging in the kind of time that we have and the kind of lives that we need but I haven't got enough time is not good enough an answer to give to someone who gave us so much I really believe it with all my heart that we need to address this issue we've all got time haven't we? Have we all got time? We all have twenty-four hours in a day, as my um, grandfather Cornelius Stevens used to say to me. When it, you know, he'd say, "Oh, I've got time," and I was like about eight, nine years of age at the time. "I've got time," but he always had time for me. I used to say, "Oh, you know, the key, this, that, and the other." And I remember his phrase used to use: "We've all got twenty-four hours. You've got to decide where you're going to spend yours." The number of people that tell me they haven't got time is quite unbelievable. But we all make time for the things that are important to us. We all make times for things like food, Facebook, football, friends, fun, don't we? So many other things that we fit into our life. Just this week I asked someone the question, how's your quiet time with God? And they replied me honestly. And they said, Phil, If I'm being honest, it's non-existent at the moment. But can I change the subject and ask you a question? And the question would be this. What if I was to give you £86,400 today? How would you feel? Chuffed? Delighted? How's about if I gave you £86,400 today and I said to you, go spend it. Spend it today. Any of you seen the, the film Brewster's Millions? Great movie. Brewster's Millions, uh, Brewster's Uncle Rupert dies and Brewster is challenged that he can either take one million dollars uh, up front now and stick it in the bank, or he can take 30 million dollars and if he can spend the 30 million dollars within 30 days, his Uncle Rupert would leave in his estate to him 300 million Dollars, if he successfully spent the 30 million. And the film, is a great film, get it out. It's really interesting. He couldn't gamble it, and he couldn't give it away, but he had to spend it away that there was nothing left at the end in an asset, and it took him 30 days to do it. A great movie. So imagine I give you £86,400 pounds to spend. You've got to spend all of it daily and every day. And at the end of the night, it's gone. Whether you spend it or not, the 86,400 is gone. The good news, though, is the next day tomorrow, I'm going to show up and give you another 86,400 pounds again. And I'm going to do that every day for the rest of your life. Can I ask you, what would you do with all of that money? What would you do? You'd invest it. What would others of you do? Give it away. Others of you would. Spend it, we would spend it, we would invest it. One thing's for certain, we wouldn't just leave it standing there and waste it, would we? We would do something with it. And yet all of us every day are given 86,400 seconds a day for us to spend, or for us to invest, or for us to waste. And every night it's gone. But the good news, God willing, is the next day, we have 86,400 seconds to spend again. I want to ask you, where are you investing yours? Do you know him? Do we really know him? I want to share a story that Bill shared in 2010, and this really touched my life. And I don't tell you very proudly that My devotional time in the past, particularly when I was much younger, was virtually non-existent. But over recent years, I've got better at doing it. I find it really challenging to pray. I could read God's word all day. But I find it really challenging to pray. But I've got to do it. If I want to know him, if I want my life to glorify him, if I want to be known by him, I've got to do it. So in 2010, I watched this video, and rather than just tell you what it was, I thought I'd let you watch it yourself and see if it has the effect on you that it had on me.
1: executive came down to talk to me after a service and he had just become a Christian I had, I had baptized him at the church and so and uh, he said I just can't make time for a meeting with God he said you have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day and you live in a different world I can't I just can't fit it, fit that kind of thing into my life and I remember looking at this young guy hard charging young guy and and I said here's my experience and I'm not You know, I'm only like 24 years old, so there it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think. And I didn't see him for a while. And then afterwards, I saw him many months later... And when he came down to talk to me, he his countenance was different. He felt different, his conversation was different. And he invited Lynn and me, he and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner. So we accepted. He lived right in the area. And so we go over to their house, and uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand, he takes me over to a rocking chair. And he says, You know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time. He said, I, I've, I love rocking chairs, so I bought a good one. And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, I've got a little backyard here, and I love looking over the backyard. So he said, I, I just bought this chair, and I put it in the, at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard. And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day, the last several months. I sit in the chair, I have a cup of coffee, and he goes, I read God's word. I try to make sense of it. I ask him to speak to me by his word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of his presence in my life. And I said, how's, how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him when he sits in that chair has changed him. He's more centered. He's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this, that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to. Because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee, he was a morning guy. And he fell into this pattern. Many months later, uh, I had coffee with him one time, and he said, I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising. He said, it just, it, um, I think I'm done with that. I said, where'd you get these ideas? And he said, well, in my meetings with God in the chair. <laughs> That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. <laughs> and he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while, and, and uh, maybe if the church grows, you know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this, because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. And he said, okay, I will, and came back about a month later, and he said, you know, I, I gave notice at, at work, and if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. Pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff, and I'm telling you, he was a hardworking, energized, joyful, uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church and was on our staff for many, many years. One of the best staff members in the early days of the church. Then one day he comes into my office and he said, you know, I, I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair. And he said, God's been stirring in my life, in my meetings with God. And he said, uh, a friend of mine's starting a brand new church in Colorado. And I think I'm going to pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace and uh, make some money because they, they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, you, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really... Fired up about it. So he said goodbye to him, and he packed his family up, and he went out, and he went back into advertising, made a lot of money, and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning like he had done for many, many years now, he processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working and he kept supporting that church, and uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized. And one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair. And he died quite soon thereafter, and I did his funeral in Colorado. And I was talking to his widow, his wife, uh, at the funeral reception afterwards. And I said, That was something about that chair, wasn't it? She said, His whole life changed in that chair. I said, What are you going to do with the chair? And she said, We are going to pass that chair on to our children and on to our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did and have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you reflect on His Word and open yourself to His power? Where where do you become aware of His presence in your life? Where is that? And some of you go, well, you know, I mean, I don't have a nice backyard to look out on. It doesn't work for me. It, the thing about the unlimited presence of God is that you can meet with Him anywhere. Your chair can be anywhere. When we first started, Lynn and I first started taking our summer study breaks in South Haven, that little town on the other side, uh, we rented a one-bedroom cottage in the summer times. And so it was chaos with two kids in, in that cottage. So I would leave, and I would go to the Burger King in the morning for 30, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. First booth on the right when you come in the door, Main Street in South Haven. I did that little practice for nine years. Fiberglass booth in a Burger King. I made some of the most important ministry and personal decisions in my life. Fiberglass booth and a Burger King. To this day when I drive by that Burger King, I look at it and I go, man, God met me there. There's a carpenter in this church that meets with God every morning in the front seat of his pickup truck, brings a thermos of coffee and his Bible. Half hour before the construction starts, he just sits in the front seat of his pickup truck, absorbs the word of God, meets with God, surrenders himself with God, to God asks for direction in his life a young mom that I know goes to Starbucks whenever she can corner table meets with God where's your chair when you meet with a friend let's say for a lunch what happens is if you've connected with that friend after you leave the restaurant or wherever it is you think about that friend later on in the afternoon When you meet with God, you think about him more throughout the course of your day. His presence lingers after the meeting. Where's your chair?
0: Do you know him? Have I been with you so long? Said Jesus to Philip. Yet you still don't know me. Where's your chair? Can I encourage all of us? As I share a scripture and then hand back to Mike. Can I encourage us as a church? Do you know? when we make time to get to know God he builds powerful lives he builds powerful marriages he builds powerful businesses he everything that we have if we build our lives on the solid rock Christ Jesus no storm will come and wreck us because our fee- feet are on the firm foundation paul says to the church In Philippians. And I never really understood how he could say this when he says it. He says he considers all things but lost. Corinthians 3, verse 8. What is more, he said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. That i may gain christ and be found in him the greatest of the greatness of knowing him in fact i prefer the king james version of this he says i count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i have suffered all things and count them as done that i might win christ then he finishes and then goes on and says in verse 10 I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in death I want to know Christ I want to know you Jesus is that our prayer I'm going to challenge you if you don't know Jesus at all as an opportunity for you today to come to know him. Just open up your heart. Just say, Lord, I'm listening to all of this stuff. I'm drawn to you. Lord, will you come into my heart right now? Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Lead me in the paths of righteousness. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, now. And if you're walking with God and maybe you don't know him, where's your chair? I challenge you, where's your chair? Could be in the van before work. Could be in Starbucks. Could be on the bus. Could be in the house. Where's your chair?